Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. All right. Danger zone. If you've been married, you've been through that zone several times throughout your marriage relationship. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Song of Songs, chapter 2, and verse number. And for time's sake, I'll just read verse 15. We'll allude to some of the others as we move through the message today. This love story is heating up. And if you've been following along with us, been here the last several weeks, you understand this is a very, very picturesque love song that Solomon writes. He said, of all the songs written, it is the greatest one I've ever written. The Song of Songs. It may be the greatest love song written of all time. And so we've been featuring a different love song every week as we've looked at this. But none tops the Song of Songs. Uh, And the relationship's growing. It's building. But right in the middle of chapter 2, he puts a warning in there. Warning. Danger zone. Look out. And let's read it together. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word today. Song of Songs, chapter 2 and verse number 15. Catch us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Father, I pray that as we open up your word, you'll open up our hearts today. I pray, God, that you'll help every person in here catch those pesky little foxes that come in and hurt marriages that hurt our relationship with you. God, minister through your word. Your word is truth. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a high five, and then you may be seated. It has been said that men are like dogs. And women are like cats. Now let me give you just a few reasons why we compare men to dogs and more women to cats. Let's talk about the men first. Men are like dogs. If you feed him, if you praise him, if you play with him on a regular basis, you'll have a happy man. There it is, right there. Feed him, praise him, play with him on a regular basis, and you will have a very happy man. Also, uh, dogs lie around all over, spread out on all the furniture. They find the most very comfortable place to lie on. It can be found there almost any time of day. They can hear a package of food open up a half a block away, but can't hear you when you're in the very same room. They leave their toys everywhere. They growl when they're not happy. And they they can look dumb and lovable at the same time. It's been said women are like cats. They are far more complex and mysterious. A cat can walk into a room. You look at it. It looks at you. It walks over and begins to purr. Rub up against your leg in a sweet, gentle fashion. Then it walks out of the room. You think that was a really sweet cat. (laughs) However, a few minutes later, the same cat walks into the room. It looks at you. You look at it. And suddenly, without provocation or warning, it leaps into your face, attempting to claw your eyeballs out. (laughs) 
something happened when that cat left the room and you have no idea what. What did I do? That changed dispositions in a matter of seconds. Cats do what they want once. They rarely listen. They're totally unpredictable. When you want to play, they want to be alone. When you want to be left alone, they want to play. Cats and dogs are entirely different. So are, so are men and women. We're different. We're just made different by God. We're, we're designed different. There's a, there's a vast difference between a male and a female. And in marriage, what happens if we are not careful, there are little foxes that can come in, those tiny little things, if they are left unattended, uh, if we don't catch them, uh, they become those pesky marital pests who come in and wreck a lot of havoc. Foxes uh, were notorious in that region for coming in and damaging the vineyards. They would come in and uh, they were particularly fond of grapes. And so the, the foxes come in, they attack the vineyards, they eat all the grapes that are there. They silently attack at night. And what will happen is not only do they ravage the fruit, but they burrow down beneath the vines and they destroy the root system. And if the fox are not caught, it can absolutely destroy an entire vineyard. And farmers at night would go out and they would sleep in their fields at night just to keep an eye out so the foxes don't come in and destroy their vineyards. Little foxes represent those dangers and problems that can sneak into any kind of relationship and do untold damage uh, almost without notice. But if you don't catch those little foxes early enough, sometimes it's too late. I had couples come into my office. I just don't love them anymore. It's almost like one night they wake up, I don't love this guy anymore. No, it wasn't that at all. It was those little foxes that were never caught along the way. And somehow the feeling begins to leave. The emotions are gone. And, and then they're saying, I want to leave them. I want a divorce. Uh, and, and, and the guys are going, what did I do? What's going on? Or the lady's saying, what happened? What did I do? I don't understand why the sun's change. It's because those little foxes have been come in. They've been gnawing away at the root system of that marriage for a long time, unattended. Even in the very best of relationships, any couple is vulnerable to potentially destructive problems that creep up in a marriage. A couple must be determined and tenacious in their commitment to catch those little foxes. And so Solomon says, and he, it's, it's, catch us the foxes. It's an imperative command. It is something you've got to do. Catch those foxes. You see, you can put up a wall or a fence that will keep out the big foxes. It's the little ones that sneak through. That get through the barbed wire. That get through the chain. That, that, that they get through the fences. And they come up and destroy the tender young plants. Look at verses 11 to 13. That you get an idea of where the relationship is going at this point in the letter. And so in verse number 11, for lo, the winter is past. Aren't you glad when the winter's over? It's about over here. What much of a winter this year? And I'm glad it's about over anyway. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vine with tender grapes Give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Uh, uh, new love is exciting. 
Isn't it exciting when you find that right person, you're excited about that person, it's brand new, fresh love, and you're in love again, and you walk out, and it's springtime. I don't care what season it is, but when you find new love, it's like springtime. Everything is blooming, the, 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 trees, are, the, the, the trees are budding, the, the, the birds are chirping, and it's such a wonderful atmosphere because you are in love. You get the Shulamite woman and she says, the winter's over. It's done. Hibernation time is over. It's time to come out. The rain is over. The storms of life has passed uh, and she survived the winter. And now she is moving into a new season of love. Exciting time. Their relationship was really just beginning. But Solomon says, whatever is creating the hurt... Whatever is creating the damage needs to be caught before it destroys a brand new budding relationship that is especially vulnerable to attack. And so how is it that we defend against these little foxes? First of all, I want you to notice some danger zones in these little foxes that come in and hurt a marriage. The the first one I want to talk about is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Write that down. Unforgiveness. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Unforgiveness must be caught. It must be dealt with. Little fox that will come in, and if it's left unattended, it will destroy your marriage. Verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, I think, I think you know, he's talking about all kinds of anger here when when Paul writes the Ephesian church, but I think he had his mind on marriage because he says, don't let the sun go down. Don't go to bed angry. Get it dealt with, get it covered, get it under the blood. Don't go to bed angry. The longer the little fox is allowed to remain in the field, the more damage he will do. And if you allow that little fox of unforgiveness, of of anger, of bitterness to stay in your spirit and get settled down there, the more damage he will do. Deal with your differences promptly. The same day before you go to bed. Few of you are getting this. There's only ten married couples in the whole house. I can see that right now. We can't allow the devil to come in and get his foot in the door. Because if he gets a foothold, he can eventually begin to push that door in until he comes in and begins to work you over. A small seed of hurt or anger, if it is not dealt with, quickly begins to grow into something that will produce major problem in our lives if we don't let it go. It will hurt you. It will hurt everybody else around you. Listen to Hebrews 12 and 15. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. In other words, what happens is it starts with just you're mad and you're just angry and you're just feeling it, and, and, and you go to bed, and you pout, she's pout, she's hanging on to your side, and you're hanging on to your side, and you're not going to touch each other. You're not getting close to each other. You take the extra pillows, and you put them down between you. <laughs> Some of you guys get so mad, you go find the other bedroom. You go to bed, and you're mad, and it starts out with anger. And usually, guys, let's be honest, it's over the dumbest, silliest stuff. Some little stupid fox got in there and we got mad. 
But the Bible says if you don't deal with it, it becomes a root of bitterness. And as that root begins to grow and find ground in your heart and life, uh, it affects, and the Bible says, defiles everything you touch. It'll affect all your other relationships. Have you ever gone to bed mad and got up and got ready, never said a word, went off to work? You can't work that day. You can't concentrate. You're so mad because there's a gulf between you and your wife. And so the Bible says, deal with it, get it covered, get it resolved before you go to sleep at night. Don't go to bed angry. Deal with those small things that if left undone will become very big issues. Uh, For this to happen, listen to me, I'm going to give you some practical pointers. Number one, both partners must foster an atmosphere that is open to honest communication. Be open. I I, I love it when you you, you, get the, honey, what's the matter? Nothing. (laughs) Baby, baby, tell me, what's the matter? Nothing, I'm okay, get away, you know. You know there's something wrong, and, and, but that's not going to do anything towards bringing healing. And so if there's going to be these things dealt with quickly and, and, and rapidly, there's got to be an atmosphere in your home where there's open communication, where you share everything and talk about everything. Number two, both partners must be willing to acknowledge the wrongs they have done and the changes they, may, they need to make. You know, so often when we get in a fight, it's always... You did this, you did that, you always do this, you always say that, and we we kind of put all the blame on them. Listen, it takes two to tango. It takes two to fight. And so you begin to say, God, what did I do wrong? Where did I blow it? Where did my bad attitude get me in a mess? What am I saying or doing wrong? And third, both partners must be willing to forgive the offenses and not carry a grudge. If your marriage is going to survive, it's going to survive because of forgiveness. Let me say that one more time. Didn't get the rousing response I was looking for. If your marriage is going to survive, it's going to respond, survive because of the one key word, forgiveness. Better. If you don't learn to forgive, if you don't let it go, that little fox will get bigger and bigger and bigger until one day you say, you know what, the love is gone. Number two, what's the second pesky little fox we want to look at this morning? It's what I call the fox of misunderstanding. The fox of misunderstanding. You know, I I opened up by talking about dogs and cats and how different they are and how different we are as male and females. That is exciting to me. That's what makes marriage so, so much fun and so exciting. If they were just like you, it would really be boring. But it also makes it challenging. Because you guys are so different, because you come from such diverse backgrounds. Uh, Your family backgrounds were were different, the way you were disciplined, the way you observed love in your home growing up, the the, the way you communicate, your differences and preferences are different, your, your traditions are different, your interests are all different, just as opposite as you can imagine. Uh... Jeannie and I will we'll, we'll re- sometimes record something on the DVR. Those things are great. You never have to see a commercial ever again. And uh, I haven't seen a commercial in years now. Whatever I watch, it's not watched on live TV. I tape it, and then, man, I get through those commercials like that. So I'm a terror on advertisers. They do not like me at all. But ever since that thing, and so what happens is we'll, we'll, we'll look and we'll see, ah, oh, this movie looks interesting, that movie looks interesting. Invariably, our movie tastes are different. And she picks out these silly 
fanny cake movies, uh, love romance movies that, that actually do nothing for me. And so, uh, but I like a little action. If there's not a car chase in there or a bomb going off somewhere, I don't like it. I don't really care for it. I want to see bombs bursting in air, uh, gas stations blowing up, cars flipping over each other. You know, it doesn't have any plot at all. I don't care there's a plot. Just show me some excitement, some action. <laughs> And, and so we'll, we'll be there at night, and we'll say, okay, what, you know, we got a few listed on there. What movie are we going to watch tonight? And I said, well, I think it's, and so it's my night. And so, and so we watch this action-packed movie, and she will sit there impatiently and watch that whole thing. And the, the, if there's one kiss throughout the entire movie, I say, there's your movie right there. We got that kiss in, and I'm done. I don't have to watch one of your stupid movies anymore. And so... <laughs> So different, so different. But if you're if you're not careful, those little foxes can come in, those differences, and you begin to slowly drift apart. You can be so different that the man stays in his garage all day long, plays ball somewhere every night of the week, uh, is gone all the time doing his thing. Uh, she's at home, angry and upset. Hey, I'm ahead of myself. When you get to chapter five, King Solomon comes home. His wife has been waiting up all night for him to get home. And now she's angry and she locks the door. You're not getting in here. How many times do we see that happen in a marriage relationship where these differences drive you apart? There needs to be a common interest developed and formed so you can begin to do things and experience life together. Be willing to make concessions. Be willing to compromise in order to live happily and peacefully. Listen, when you walk down to that altar and you said, I do... It's not a magic word that instantly changed both spouses and made them perfectly compatible. That's why after the words I do, they threw in these words, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. They were just I do and you were instantly made alike. There'd never be a problem. So we threw those other words in there. So you know what? There are differences. They need to be worked through. There needs to be understanding. A couple that cannot communicate about differences and work them out before they're married are not likely to do so after they're married. Part of the engagement process ought to be going back and doing a long, thorough look at your families and your expectations and what you're looking for because after you're married, you're stuck. 1 Peter 3, 7. Listen to what he said there. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, talking about your wives, with understanding. Find out what makes them tick. Find out what pleases your wife. Find out what kind of gifts she likes. Find out what her love language is so you can minister and reach out and meet that particular love language. And I think Jason talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It goes on to say, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. And being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. You see, when there's a gulf of misunderstanding in your marriage, the Bible says it even affects your prayer life. It messes that relationship up. So catch that fox of misunderstanding early on. So you can appreciate and enjoy what your differences really are. Number three, the fox of outside interference. Wow. Wow. How many have been hurt because of a mother-in-law? <laughs> Comes in. Wants to tell you how to run your life. Wants to tell you where you spend every holiday. Wants to tell you how bad your husband is or how bad your wife is. 
in-laws, outside interference. When people outside the marriage encroach on your time, that two of you need to time alone to build and maintain a healthy relationship, it, it can be a little fox. It comes in and creates habit. Parents mean well, but God's word is clear. Listen to me. I'll read it again. Genesis 2 and 24. Therefore, a man shall leave father and mother. Everybody say leave. 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 Pastor Barton used to say, cut the apron strings. Cut them. Cut the apron strings. You leave father and mother. The wife leaves father and mother. The husband leaves father and mother. Okay, all you busy buddy in-laws, you hearing this? (laughs) And be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's got to be a leaving so the cleaving can be full and natural as God intended it. It's... it's, uh, Boy, I, I, I've had couples say, well, we're getting married. We don't have any money. We're going to live with mom and dad. I'm like, oh, problem. <laughs> that can be a recipe for disaster. Your spouse comes before any other earthly relationship, even above your own children. Children will come in. They'll play father against mother, mother against father. They'll try to get you to take sides and because if mom was raised different dad was raised different they have different views of how they're going to raise their kids and so the kids pick on that right away and so therefore you and your spouse have got to come together on how we're going to discipline our children and stick to it and back each other up men and ladies beware of trouble when your need for companionship counsel and praise is being met by somebody else outside that marriage That is a fox that will come in and eat at the root of your marriage. And if you're getting your strokes from somebody else in the office or somebody else in the neighborhood or somebody else around you, if some other man or some other lady is giving you more praise and more compliments and that's exciting you in in any kind of level whatsoever, that will be a fox that will come in and erode the very fabric of your marriage. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Your husband, your wife has got to be your very best friend. Not just your lover. Beware. Number four, the fourth little fox I want to talk about is the fox of intimacy stagnation. The flame's just gone out. There's no more romance in the bedroom. It's kind of, oh, is this my night? Oh, it's, Wednesday, it's Thursday night. Oh, Thursday night. He's going to want it again. Oh. Turn back to Song of Songs. Chapter 16. Song of Songs, chapter 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Now, now, now this is this is the Shulamite saying Solomon belongs to me. Did you read it there? Let me say it again. My beloved is mine. I own him. And conversely. The Bible uh, says, and I am his. He owns me. There's a mutual ownership here going on. He feeds his flocks among the lilies. And then she gets into this, she gets romantic again. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved, uh, and be like a gazelle 
or a young stag upon the mountains of Bether. Now, keep the flame burning. I said two, last week I said there's two things that are going to make your marriage work. Being best friends and being best lovers. If, if the intimacy has gone, it's going to hurt the fabric of your marriage. If the, the friendship is gone, it's going to hurt the fabric of your marriage. You must have both to have a strong, healthy marriage. And the Bible here is talking about a mutual ownership of each other's bodies. Her lover belonged to her and she belonged to him. There's a sense of mutual possession that is critical for a happy, romantic marriage. Might have expected in this culture that oriental maidens were the sole property of the king. Culturally, that was true. The king owned the ladies. And in oriental customs, the husband owned the wife. But it wasn't necessarily vice versa. Culturally, women were less than men, and so you were almost the property of your husband, and, uh, and so, and yet she understood biblically that not only did she belong to Solomon, but Solomon belonged to her. Now that's going to be critical, ladies and men, for making that romance continue and work and happen. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's get the New Testament spin on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse number three and four. Same thought. I'm my beloved and he is mine. Uh, let's look at it in verse three. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. In other words, you have an obligation to satisfy your wife sexually. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority of her own body, but the husband does. And the likewise the husband does not have authority over her own body, his own body, but the wife does. Now, as just as revolutionary as that statement was, I'm my beloved and he is mine in that culture, by the time you got to the New Testament and you got to the first century, it was still pretty much a male chauvinistic society. And so, still, and so Paul writes to Corinthians, he says, time out, wait a minute. In proper sexuality, there's got to be a mutual ownership. So it's not only... The, the, the woman is all about satisfying the man and is there for his whim and his pleasures and his desires, but the re- role can be reversed just as easily. As the woman has rights to the man's body. The willingness to both possess and be possessed will ensure uh, one's life thoroughly uh, Marriage, it will make that strong. It will make the relationship strong. It will make it flourish. It, it, it will bring you into what God called that one flesh relationship. Both of you expressing your desires. Both of you trying to mutually fulfill the other's desires. Both of you being available. Both of you expressing in communication. And, and when you do that, it works. And that's what keeps the flame burning brightly. of Americans believe extramarital affairs are wrong. 90%. Nine out of every ten believe an extramarital affair is wrong. Yet 35% of women will have an extramarital affair. And 45% of all men will have an extramarital affair. That's mind-boggling. That blows me away. 
And yet these 45% of men that are stepping out on their wives, they're, they're looking for something, they're searching for something, always wrong, never right. But I want to emphasize again, it is important for you and your marriage to keep the flame burning brightly because they belong to one another. They wanted no barriers between them. So they're thinking ahead to what they would enjoy. And so the Shulamite says, come to me. Look at verse number uh, 17, that language again. Come to me, run to me like a gazelle, run to me like a stag uh, on the mountains, uh, the rugged mountains of Bether. Now, the rugged mountains of Bether is not a so subtle reference to her breast. And so you take the gazelle, you take the stag, run to me, baby, here I am. (laughs) The passion has got to be there. Desire and passion, she welcomed him. Now, if we are to beat the little foxes that want to come in, we've got to recognize that that the battle takes place on a day-to-day basis. These are daily little foxes, daily little battles that we will fight all along the way in our marriage. And the victories you had yesterday are not sufficient to take care of today. Uh, And so we need to grow a little bit more stronger every day in our marriage, in our relationship, so that I love you more today, baby, than I loved you yesterday. And as long as you keep growing in that direction, your marriage is going to make it got to catch your little foxes catch them quickly now i'm going to just go very quickly and my time is going fast i I said what happens in solomon is first of all a a picture of courtship and marriage and relationships that's the primary focus of it It, it's a song of love it's a love song between a man and a woman but in ephesians chapter 5 he talks about that relationship between a husband and a wife is very is like Christ's love for his church and the love the church has for Christ and vice versa. And so he says there's a real analogy and a real comparison there. So I want to talk for just a few moments about little foxes that will come in and destroy your spiritual life. You're not careful. See, not everybody in here is married. And I had some people say, well, I'm not coming to that series. I'm not married. I don't want to come here, all that stuff. Listen, there's incredible application. First of all, the word of God is good for every single one of us at any given time in our lives. But, but there's application there for every single believer in the body of Christ because there's such a beautiful picture of Christ in his church. So let me move on. Just as Solomon admonished her bride to catch those little foxes, I believe Jesus Christ would admonish us today, you better catch those little foxes that will come in and mess up your spiritual walk with me. Mess up your intimacy with me. Nurture our relationship with the Lord and God guard against every little fox that will sneak into our lives and over time do damage in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just list a few real quick and then we're going to talk about a couple very specifically. Worry. Worry can be a little fox that you deal with and you're worrying all the time. And that just affects your relationship with Jesus Christ because you're so consumed with worry. Discouragement. Uh, busyness. Busyness can be a terrible little fox. We are so busy, and I don't have time to pray, and I have time to read my Bible, and I have time to get close, because I'm just so busy. A critical spirit. Well, I'll tell you what, you let a critical spirit get in your heart, it'll be a little fox, and that relationship with Christ, he really got upset with the nation of Israel because of their critical spirits. And so uh, beware of that. Lack of discipline, a lack of spiritual discipline. There are things every believer needs to do. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. You need to be at church every single week. 
yeah, I'm tired this morning. I worked hard all week. Now, this is, now you guys are all great because you're here. Worked hard all week. I just need a day off. Listen, this is the most important day of your week. It sets the tone for everything that's going to happen the rest of the week. Do not miss a Sunday. That lack of discipline can be that little fox. Jealousy can be a little fox that comes in. Uh, friendships and relationships, it can drag you down. Uh, it's, the Bible warns about beware. Uh, un, uh, bad bad uh, friends can corrupt good manners, good morals. And so be careful lest that become corrupted in your life. Your activities and hobbies, there may be nothing wrong with them, but they little, they're little foxes. They just pull you away from your devotion to Christ. Uh, a little porn, a little anger. Uh, what's it hurt? What's a few pictures hurt at night before I go to bed? Uh, a little pornography. It's not really going to hurt me. That'll be a little fox that'll come in and hurt your marriage, but also hurt your relationship with Christ. A little greed, uh, uh, a little laziness, a little pride. Now, listen, I tell you what, if you want to really learn about how to defeat those little foxes in your life, get into the book of Proverbs. There are so many wonderful Proverbs that I think lay out what those little foxes are and how to deal with each and every single one of them. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Avoid every kind of evil. Avoid it. Proverbs 4 and 27. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Where are those little foxes? Those, those foxes are sly creatures. They creep up. They're not noticed. You're not paying attention. But ultimately, if they are not caught and dealt with, they will affect your relationship with Christ. Now, I want to talk about two specific little foxes in your spiritual life. Jot these down. There's what I call the sin of omission. The sins of omission. And we don't talk about this a lot because we've got enough bad stuff going on. We're all the time dealing with it. But the Bible says there is a sin of omission. Uh, not commission. Not things you do. It's things you don't do. And, and listen to it in the Word of God. James 4 and 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you know, if you know there's something right to do, and you don't do it, and you put it off, and you say not now, and you procrastinate, and you don't go there, and you don't do those things in your life. He says if you know to do good, and you don't do it, it will become a sin to you. It will become a snare to you. Come that little fox to you, those little foxes of omission, that intended letter that you meant to write, that you keep putting off. That letter that says, will you forgive me? I've hurt you. I've wronged you. And you keep putting off, and you don't write that letter. Uh, that intended something you do for missions. God, I wanted to go. I want to be on that missions trip. I want to give, but not now, Lord. And you neglect it and you put it off. Uh, uh, that person you say, I'm going to pray for you. And there's so many people you need to pray for and lift up before the throne of grace. And you never pray. They become what I call sins of omission. Listen to this subject of prayer. 1 Samuel 12 and 23. God forbid that I should... Sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. God forbid, saying those saying, that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, the king. The second little fox, I think, is the one that is so pictured in the word of God as a little fox. Turn to James chapter 3. It's your tongue. Ooh. I heard some rumblings. Your tongue. James 3, verse number 3. Now, he even described it as a little member of the body. Just a little thing that left unchecked 
unnoticed creates incredible damage. James 3 and verse 3. Indeed, we put a bit in horses' mouths that they may obey us and they turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Also, they are large and driven by a fierce wind. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, is a little fox, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire, kindles. Now, critical tongue, a lying tongue, a gossiping tongue, a vulgar tongue can set everything on fire around you. Listen, children of God, we have got to guard the little fox of our mouth. Every time I've gotten in trouble, it's because of my tongue. Go on down to the end, a little further in that chapter, verse 8. And no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly passion. With it we bless God and the Father, and with it we curse men. Wow. We've been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursings. Oh, my brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevines, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring can yield both salt, water, and fresh. Now, he hits it right on the head. I don't know if you caught the first line. How can we bless God and curse our brother? Listen, we come in here, and you were singing great this morning. It was a wonderful spirit, wonderful atmosphere. And you were all blessing God this morning with your praise. And yet some of you will go out and say something about somebody else. A lot of us. A lot of us. Guard against that. And, 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 and James says that shouldn't be. That, that should not be. That should not be a part of the Christian experience. Uh, don't speak out of both sides of your mouth, blessing and cursing. These little foxes will come in and eat the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God that's wanting to be birthed in us. You see, the Bible talks about our lives are like fruit trees, uh, and we bear what the Word of God calls in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. But if out of your mouth comes blessing and cursing, I will tell you, that little fox will come and destroy that fruit of love and peace and gentleness and peak meekness and loving kindness and on and on Uh, go down to the end of the chapter verse 17 and 18 but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace in them now the only way to deal with these little foxes either in your marriage or in your spiritual walk, is to round them up and kill them. Kill them. Put them to death. You don't try to tame it. You don't catch the fox. Put them in a cage. Try to train them. Try to feed them. Try to domesticate a wild animal. You don't let them go on journeys and then say, here, Rover, come on back. He'll never come back. He's back in your vineyard again. Catch the little fox, and implied in that is kill it. Put it to death. If the little fox is not put to death, they will grow up and one day become big foxes. Now, here's the, here's the key. And get this. We cannot do this in our own strength. Amen. 
You can't do it. There is a nature, there's a, a sinful nature that's a part of who we are. There's that nature in there that I can't kill those little foxes in my own strength. I cannot do it. I can't catch them. I'm not fast enough. I'm not quick enough. They'll always get away. I can't do it in my own strength. So how do we deal with the little foxes? Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll end with this passage. Galatians 5. Are you with me? Amen. Galatians chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do you kill little foxes? You need the help of the Holy Spirit. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, the little foxes, are evident. They are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness. Uh, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those little foxes unchecked will grow to be so big, it will destroy your relationship with Christ. But... The fruit of the Spirit. When you catch those foxes, when you, when you put them to death, they can't hurt your vineyard anymore. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified, killed the foxes. Those who are under Christ's control have caught and killed the foxes with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. And so what it says is, I yield my life to the Holy Spirit, and I walk with His guiding and leading every single day of my life, and I rely upon Him, and I trust in Him. He gives me the victory in my daily life, in my daily walk. Yeah. And then there will appear in your life an abundance of fruit. And your marriage will be fruitful. And your Christian walk with Christ will be fruitful. Keep those pesky little foxes out of your vineyards. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.